Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, here we are. It is almost Christmas. I can't believe this year has gone by so fast. And this may very well be the last podcast I do in 2018. I've been pretty busy, and I guess I'm going to sound like I'm apologizing for not having been as forthcoming as I normally am. But you guys that have been paying attention to what I do, you know what's up. I've been out traveling. I've been all over the country this year and are already steamrolling into 2019, got a clinic coming up in January here, and just made plans to visit Atlanta in February. We're going to Chicago, and we're going also to New Jersey just to get started for the new year. So anyway, I've been really, really wanting and salivating for the opportunity to get my next guest on with me today because he's on to something that I think is very novel. It's a very, very cool training modality that is unique. And, well, let's just get Dennis on. Dennis, would you say hello to our audience, please? Hello there. Uh, I'm Dennis Dunphy. I'm one of the co-founders of Stick Mobility. Uh, thank you very much for having me on, Richard. You're so welcome. Now, Stick Mobility, can you just kind of do the uh, the introduction that you typically might offer when somebody ask you, what the heck is stick mobility? Uh, it's a system where we utilize a uh, strong, flexible stick. And what we do is we use the stick to help create end range tension. But the first thing that we do is to show you the importance of joint function on all three planes of motion. Uh, that's by far the number one uh, asset that you have to have in order to have uh, adequate to optimal uh, function throughout the body. So we use the stick to help increase strength and uh, body awareness. And then it also ultimately ends up adding, uh, resulting in your top-level coordination and uh, improving your overall movement. Cool. Now, I have to, uh, to confess that I have a bundle that you, you sell, and I've been working the sticks myself to try to get a better handle on it. And I have to tell you that the, the thing that really – drives all this home is the education you provide. You guys have a very robust set of tutorials that you provide in video format that basically demonstrates and chronologically lays down the approach to training with these sticks. And um, the thing that really jumped out at me for starters was the mobility and stability work you do for the feet and the ankles, which everybody listening to this is probably just perked up to hear this because we're all sorely in need of developing better range of motion through the ankles and or through the feet and or also to develop stability. So can you shed a little light on that for us? The uh, biggest thing that uh, most people are missing is what we would all people refer to as foot amnesia. Uh, they just don't remember what the feet are supposed to be able to do. So 
for myself personally, it's it's was a exploration of understanding frontal plane movement. Everybody sagittally uh, moves pretty decently, uh, but a lot of people we notice do not like extension of the toe box. Uh, when you ask them to put the toes in extension, especially the big toe, uh, they're not comfortable with it. So you uh, look at that and you understand that they don't have access to the optimal lever to, to push them into the next step, next stride. But the frontal plane stability is lacking and mobility there. And then transverse movement is also necessary, especially when you're running. And um, our biggest eye-opening moment of that was actually when we were working with uh, Chip Morton from the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, right after the first little bit of mobilizing the foot, he told me, he said, Dennis, if you taught nothing else, he goes, this piece alone is gold. He's like, with his high-performance NFL players, he's like, I've got these superior athletes who have sacks of mashed potatoes at the end of their legs. <laughs> and when he said that, it just drove home the point of understanding the importance of the foot and the ankle. So that was great to hear from him. Well, I, I got to tell you, I've been putting a tremendous amount of research into that very thing myself for my clients. And the thing that really slapped me across the head was understanding the importance of having full range of motion at the great toe. Because if you have a limited range of motion at the great toe, that compromises your lateral stability of the midfoot. So you end up either excessively pronating or just basically incapable of putting out much force from the foot. Oh, I totally agree. Yes, by all means. Yeah. And what's interesting is when we're teaching people anywhere from, from the novice all the way to uh, a high-level coach, um, to see the way they move and the look on their face as they're trying, especially to put that toe through its full range of motion. Uh, you can so see it's so much effort for them. And it's, it's eye-opening for anybody that goes through it and understanding that if you don't have full access and full uh, neuromuscular control of what Da Vinci considered a, a fantastic form of engineering, uh, then what are we after then? You know, and the shoes that we typically wear, uh, we're dependent on them to do the job that the foot is supposed to do. And it doesn't work. Yeah. And it doesn't work. No. You know, so we have all these issues, uh, stress lines that are the lines of stress that are just too much for runners as they're doing their thing. And then it's resulting in pain and therefore, uh, altered gait patterns and so on and so forth. Well, and then you guys have partnered on a project with Dr. Emily Spleichel, who is a world-renowned podiatrist, and she's helping you with this run injury-free program, which, incidentally, I've gone through and looked at those videos, and it's such powerful stuff because I think that a lot of people, as you suggested, they go into a running shoe shop, and they're looking for a shoe that's going to try to take the responsibility away from them in order to try to gain stability, mobility, or some kind of motion control. That just, that just doesn't work. And there's never been proven that there's any shoe design that will supplement you to the degree that, it, that will give you the mobility you're looking for or the stability you're looking for. The best thing you could do is get your foot to work for you so that you can function as you were designed to function. 
Yes, I'm in total agreement with that, by all means. I mean, we see that even, uh, unfortunately, what's happening now with the lack of foot function is we're seeing it at, at a really young age, right. at an age where we shouldn't be seeing this. I mean, I understand if you're 60, 70, 80 years of age, but we're seeing this in 10, 11-year-old kids who have no concept on what the foot is supposed to be able to do for them. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Greg Cook. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And uh, in his book, what really jumped out at me, I think it was Mike Boyle that was quoting Cook when he, he, he described the stacking order of necessity. And it actually starts, and, it, and I spoke about this in a show recently with Emily, but this is really powerful stuff. And I can't stop talking about this because I think people that learn to understand this, the sooner they learn to pick up on this and, and realize that this is a rational thing to consider is that if you don't have the mobility at your great toe, if you sacrifice stability at the ankle, you, so it's like a stacking order of mobility, stability, mobility, stability, right up the kinetic chain. And so when you start finding that your knee is compromised, it's probably because your ankle's not giving you the, uh, the appropriate range of motion it needs in order to stabilize the knee and so on and so forth up the chain. So essentially what I get from your sticks and the concept that you're using in your sticks is you're engaging from the ground up. You're teaching people to create synergy. I guess Buckminster, I can't pronounce his name. Fuller. Yeah, Buckminster Fuller. Buckminster yeah. Fuller <laughs> was essentially the father of this tensegrity. And that's essentially what you're doing is you're using tension through the ground in these various ranges of motion and exercise to cause the body to become more appropriately stable, right? Uh, yes, that's exactly what we're after. Cool. And we want to make sure that you have access to as much capability. And we, our goal is to make you the most resilient human that you can be uh, as you decide to do whatever modality makes you the most, gives you the most joy, uh, whether it's running, whether it's swimming, whether whatever it is, kettle, CrossFit, powerlifting. Whatever it is you like to do, improve the quality of your movement so that you can continue to do it and do it well. So in the course of this conversation, I just had an epiphany. Because mm -hmm. when we were talking before we got live, I said, you know, my audience is really going to love this because they suffer from ankle issues. And then I started talking about the need for good shoulder stability because of all the hanging exercises they do. And here what I've done is I've basically segregated where in fact, that's not the case at all. It's integration, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I just busted myself going down the wrong path with this. What you really need to be thinking about is how you're integrating from the ground up. And so you become like a wheel, having tensegrity, being able to get load and be able to stabilize the body under whatever activity you're trying to approach. Yes. I mean, we see... Well, when we look at people that have shoulder issues, we we start to look and see what that foot to core integration is. Uh, are their hips not working? Uh, does the foot and the ankle not work? And therefore, are they going? Are they dependent on the shoulder complex to generate power, generate movement, uh, muscle through everything? Uh, I can tell you that from my own personal uh, journey, uh, because when I was younger. Uh, I was very much a meathead in the way I trained, so uh, I was used to muscling through everything, and it wasn't until uh, 
I started getting into uh, more movement-based culture and understanding the, the importance of just the quality of the, uh, of the importance of movement itself that I finally understood that, wow, my foot-to-hip to connection needs to get much better. And rock climbing for me personally was that window of opportunity that I had where it made me realize I have a ton of work to do. So that was understanding that, you know. I think we all do for the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, I rarely run into someone that just has this supreme range of motion and functionality because it's overlooked. Everybody wants to get to dessert. Nobody wants to do the homework. You see somebody do an obligatory calf stretch before they, they go running down the road, which had nothing to do with the way they're running to begin with because they typically are hill strikers anyway. They just miss it. So spending what is your movement prep the the warm-up is what 15 minutes yeah yes about that yep so you got about 15 minutes worth of engaging and waking up and opening up your appropriate range of motion to gain the functionality you're looking for and i would believe and i'm going to say this like a fly on the wall because i haven't tried it yet myself but being able to spend that time to get that type of range of motion improved is only going to immediately enhance your functionality when you run. You're certainly going to come back away from the run with less of the issues that you went into. Yes. Oh, yes, for sure. You know, and that's, but it's stressing the, it's for some people, they either get it uh, and, and some people just don't. Some people, it just takes more time for them to uh, come to the realization that maybe this is something I need to, to look at. Um, I mean, I always quantify it to the fact of, I correlate it to saying we have a lot of people in this world that try to do 12th grade calculus on a fifth grade math education, and it's not something that you're able to do. So we have a ton of people that are trying to do 12th grade movement with a fifth grade movement background, and right. the results are not going to be good. No. Well, that's look at 80% of the population in this country, recreational runners, are either injured or soon to be injured. Mm -hmm. There's there's no I mean, the biggest resistance to success as a runner is the constant injuries, reoccurring injuries uh, that that just plague people. And they have there's little to no awareness of what it is that's causing the problems most of the times. And then they end up getting into the situation where they, you know, forgive me, those out there listening that work in a running shoe shop. But you get a kid out of high school that was basically taught how to sell a shoe. Yes. And he's the guy that's going to solve your problems for you, right? He's going to yes. march you he's going to march you over to the big puffy shoe that's supposed to give you the the comfort you need so that you don't take that shock up into your hip, right? Yes. <laughs> or or the stability shoe that's going to solve all that lateral problem you have. So you're not going to have IT band problems anymore because he just sold you the new stable shoe. I see this all the time, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm famous for bagging on these. Uh, well, I don't want to use their name, but the, <laughs> but yeah, everybody everybody that knows me knows what I'm talking about, and oh. and who I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can't protect yourself from injury by putting about 15 millimeters of foam beneath your foot. It's not going to work. Uh, if anything, it's it's going to desensitize your feet. It's going to it's going to cause more trouble. 
Yeah, I my personal experience with that was, you know, under, back in the day, uh, New Balance was was typically the brand I wore, uh, and they had basically a bar uh, supporting the arch, super rigid sneaker, um, and so I wore those for a long time, and then it was until I started researching the whole barefoot running and training segment that uh, I bought a, my first pair of Vibram Five Fingers, like probably, oh geez, like nine, nine, almost 10 years ago. And I understood, okay, I'm transitioning over. So I, I can't, I have to be smart in understanding, look, I got small muscles in the feet. I have to train them again. So just the very first week I had my Vibrams, I wore them for one hour a day. But what was interesting for me was after the first day, after just wearing them for one hour walking around the house, I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, my crap, my calves are sore. Yeah. So it was just one hour. So, I mean, to see these people that go from one extreme to the other, but understanding right there and and having that understanding of when I started walking and feeling my calves after just one hour going, okay, I have a lot, I have a long way to go. So for me, it's like people used to ask me, well, how quickly did you start running in your Vibrams? I was like, well, it took literally over two months before I even thought about running. And then the very first time I ran in them, I literally ran for one minute. Wow. And people really, that's you took that long? And I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm looking for long term sustainability. I'm not looking for a quick fix. I want to make sure that I can wear these and use these and understand the complexities simple but complex procedures and functions of the foot so yeah it took me quite a while before uh i started running on a consistent basis and then and anybody that knows me knows i'm short i'm stocky i'm not designed to run long distances so for me that's all relative but yeah it took me quite a while before i started running for any substantial time in my five fingers well you know the uh the conundrum for me has been that oftentimes I get people ask me how they migrate off of a 14 mil heel raise in their shoe to zero drop. How long should they take to prepare themselves for it? Do they need to step down in lesser and lesser and lesser heights on the heel? And the irony of it is that I'll have somebody go out that has been plagued with injuries and have them run barefoot on like a grassy field. I'm, I'm famous for it. Every clinic that mm-hmm. I do, I'll have people take their shoes off. I mean, I did a clinic in uh, Pennsylvania, I think it was, in Philadelphia in the winter, and there was about uh, six inches of snow on the field, and I made everybody take their shoes and socks off and run barefoot in the snow. Mm-hmm. And I can have people successfully run barefoot along, you know, a, a natural uh, environment. they got to be on grass or something natural rather than pavement or concrete. And they'll run along like little deers, and their functionality improves. They don't complain about stress in the calves or the or anywhere, really. And then if they go to a zero-drop shoe, just because now there's influence, they're being altered by the shoe, it messes with the mechanoreceptors in the feet, and they're not as successful as they were when they were barefoot. And so the question is, do you transition somebody directly to zero drop or is it even smarter to, to walk them down a little bit at a time? And 
I guess where I'm confused with this and the conundrum comes from, how can you possibly run barefoot without a problem and going to a zero drop shoe with protection leaves you injured? And, and I, my only uh, retort to it possibly is the fact that you're getting more information from the ground and your foot is, is going to work itself out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to develop the, the awareness it needs to do the right thing when it's touching the ground. And so when I looked at what Emily's doing with this, this new yoga mat she's created, the Naboso, where it's stimulating the feet and using that in concert with your poles to just get this integration and teach the body what it's supposed to, I guess remind the body what it's supposed to do is a better, better term, right? And I think that that's just, that's the direction we need people to travel in. And I think you're, you're dead on right now with what you guys are doing. And just just improving that range of motion and functionality out of the ground and, and carrying it all the way up through the kinetic chain is the thing to do. I, I think it's far more, it should be the precursor to any strength training, I think. You've probably had a lot of experience doing this kind of work with people prior to their training since you were training yourself, right? Yes, oh, for sure. You know, And it was interesting, it was the first time uh, in New York City when she uh, brought out the prototypes for the Naboso mat and I put my foot on there in my hand and I was like, well, that felt great. You know, that was my first natural reaction to, to the feel of it was that feels great. So uh, being able to integrate that in with the sticks once I got a couple mats was just fantastic. But seeing the quick results as far as the change in the foot stability once you put somebody took them from the uh, turf or the rubber matting and then put them on her mat was was clearly visible um, as far as their actual the way their foot was functioning on the mat as opposed to the regular surface so uh, in conjunction with the sticks with ending that adding that end range tension and really conditioning the uh, creating better fascial health was just really vital and then together we just said hey we got to get these two things two tools together and help improve the running world so um because we see such a high injury rate so uh, if we can just even take one person at a time and help them run a little bit farther a little bit a lot better then that's all worth it so what have you been noticing feedback wise from people that have been introduced to the, the polls and maybe have come away from injuries and such are you getting a lot of feedback from people? What are they telling you? Yeah, well, they don't. Uh, the first thing they're very surprised of is is number one how how little movement they actually have in the joints once we go through our joint mobilizations. Uh, number two, they're very surprised as far as uh, how difficult and how much strength it requires for our program. We do a lot of strength training. Uh, people that follow our social media, we do, we post mostly the stretching um, because honestly, isometrics and our strength training just doesn't mark it. Um, you know, we can't, pushing into a wall with a stick is not going to, you know, people are, aren't going to be captivated that, by that. But when we have, when we're doing a lateral bow and arrow and opening up the lateral line, that's eye catching because that's not a position that most people ever look at you know so it's something new it's it's catchy so it grabs their attention 
Um, but then once they get into the system and once they really start to learn it, they're absolute, the feedback by far is always, this is way harder than I ever expected. Mm. And, um, so for us, mobility is, is having strength in, in all positions. So that's what we're, what we're aiming for. And to give you as we think as far as movement, we want to look globally because if you're running, uh, and you step on a rock and your ankle has to either evert or invert or whatever you have to deal with, you have to have the resiliency in the joint and the tissues to be able to overcome that and not end up twisting the ankle, rolling the ankle, and then hobbling along. So that's what we're after. So the other thing that I was thinking of while we're talking about this is that in my community, the grip strength is a big deal. The challenge of going over an obstacle rig hand over hand. They're going crazy trying to find ways to make you fail over potentially 90 feet worth of hanging challenges. And the people that are successful in this are not really holding on so much with their hands as they are holding on with their entire shoulder and their arm. So they're they're integrating their body. I mean, I, I'd imagine they're uh, transverse abdominus is involved in this. Just all this core integration with the shoulder girdle right through into the grip, as as opposed to someone that is not as well-tuned, not as well-integrated, that is just trying to hold on with their grip strength, their, their hands. That's a failing proposition. And I've just looked at, again, I, I, I didn't mean to make it sound like it's this part or that part, because it's not. It's the whole integration that we're looking for. Some of the exercises you show that improve the range of motion and functionality and strength of the shoulder girdle is really powerful, powerful stuff. And I don't even know that you can replicate it in too many other fashions that I, that I could think of. Well, the brachiation part for us is, is really important for overall shoulder health and grip strength. So we know that with improved grip strength, uh, we do know that they had the research published in The Lancet as far as a 15% decrease in mortality rate. Uh, people who are physically more active, especially that work with their hands, uh, have lower cardiovascular issues. Uh, and then also at the same time, as you're understanding the importance of grip, then you can access that lap. You can access you, that whole uh, anterior, posterior arm line sling and get into that uh, core connection, that arm, the hand-to-core connection. So for us, when we, t- when we talk to, to people about what quote-unquote core strength is, your hands and your feet are the conduits to accessing that. And if you don't understand how to use the hands and the feet, then you'll never really optimally, in our opinion, access that quote-unquote core strength that everyone is trying to achieve. Right. And they do it by lying down. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. So all these people do a ground-based core work, and then they go to stand up, and they don't transfer over. It's kind of funny you say that because uh, I, Shante Kofeld, uh, Dr. Shante Kofeld, the movement maestro, her and I talked about that. You know, they do all this ground-based core work, which is fine. It's fantastic. But as you know from our program, we do, a, we do standing core work. We want pillar strength. So because as bipedal creatures, that's what we need. We need upright pillar strength, and especially single leg upright pillar strength. So um, that way it's when those people, when people go out to start running, they have it. It's transferable. It's usable. Well, I learned that long ago. And as a trainer and working with athletes, uh, 
I've had a stint working with some football players, basketball, soccer, whatever. And in the strength training component, the, these guys want to talk about their, their bench press. And I'm like, well, dude, that's not going to help you, man. I said, that's only going to help you if everybody are on top of you. Okay. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can help get the guy off of you. But, I mean, <laughs> laying down and pushing a bar up is just not the position you want to endorse. Yeah, I, it's funny you say that because I show it, when I teach the, when I teach our education, we prime the bench press. So that is something we do with the sticks. So priming for us is exciting the nervous system and getting the central nervous system uh, in touch with, in connection with all the uh, the fascial lines and the tension that need to be generated when you're doing a movement. So we understand bench pressing is a thing that people like to do. So we prime it. We show them how to do it. But yeah, I always point that out i go well the absurdity of the bench press is is kind of funny when especially when you're talking about football if you're on your back that means you suck at football yeah so, it's, I mean, a, it's, it's too late foot, right so i'm more impressed not i don't care about the guy that can bench press 225 pounds 30 times your interface with your opponent through the pushing pushing motion on the field is approximately a second and a half to two seconds of actual contact pushing time the 30 reps doesn't do, do you any good. What you need is that punching power, but to develop that punching power, as we know what, what Bruce Lee generated, it was from the ground up. Right. Can you put your foot into the ground? Can you drive off the floor? Can you access the glutes and just drive into the guy and push him back? Instead of laying down and exactly. trying to pick him off you. <laughs> right? I'm more interested in how much explosiveness can you can you deliver off the ground from a three-point stance with punching power that's what i want to see out of a football player yeah i try to i try to cause all the training that i provide for my clients to be integrative they're not there's there's very little if any isolated movement patterns at all in in the training because it doesn't there's there's no crossover in it it just doesn't it does i mean i i used to refer to it as being a a, a poodle at the dog show i mean you can look really symmetrical and get big muscle and, and not have any functionality from it. And so I, I like to, I just look at the task, I look at the challenge, and then I try to figure out what can I do to mimic the, the needs that are associated with that challenge or, or, the, or that task. And then again, getting back to what you're doing, I, I, I'll tell you what, some of these guys that you're doing, that are doing these exercises in the videos, my God, man, I just, I'm looking at how, how much I suck when I try it compared to the range of motion these guys are exhibiting it's nuts well it's it's hysterical is when we're doing the education uh when you get these coaches in the room and these are coaches so these are people that are in quote-unquote gyms all day long this is their living and when these people can't complete or have difficulty with the train with the training that we put them through you can only imagine what their clientele who sit at a desk all day for the vast majority of them would have to endure or what they would feel. Right. So when, when people see that and we get the feedback from the coaches all the time, you know, it's kind of funny. I just, we, somebody just tagged us in a post from after Taiwan and he took a picture of himself laying on the floor and he's like, I feel like I just got hit by a truck after two years of working with a stick. You know, and it's funny. It's like, yeah, we'll teach you how to use it. So when people always tell us, and we've heard the comments, people go, well, I'll use a wooden dowel. And I'm like, really? Do you see the flex of the stick? 
if you use a broom, if you have a broom that bends, you need a new broom. Yeah. Right? Like, right. like you haven't really thought this all the way through. And it's besides, it's the education that we're giving you. And, you know, it's because we've had people say, well, I know how to use a stick. And I very bluntly just put a stick in their hand and go, okay, show me. And they just stand there and stare at me. And I go, I thought you told me you knew how to use a stick. <laughs> you know, so I will. I'll call them to the carpet. And then afterwards, I'll go, okay, let me show you how we use a stick. And then we proceed from there. You know, the, uh, the thing that uh, comes to mind when I think about what you're doing in the fitness industry, and, and you've been around, I know, for a while. Uh, are you familiar with Johnny G? Uh, no, not offhand. No? The spinning program? No. The, the spinning program that, that, like, worldwide, it's in every health Oh, program. you mean the, oh, oh, the, oh, sorry. You're right. Yes, sorry. But anyway, the founder of that program, his name is Johnny Goldberg, but they call him Johnny G. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of pretty much down the road now. He's retired from it. He's not part of the company anymore. He's doing some other things along the same lines, but this guy was probably one of the most powerful presenters I've ever met in my life. And he became a good friend of mine, and I've actually had him as a client. I used to do VO2 testing on and such on him. But I used to tease him. I said, you know, Johnny, I could throw you a Campbell's soup can, and you could turn it into a fitness program. Because he would look at something, and he would look at the functionality or what the body needed to do and how he could get that can of soup to turn it into a program. And when Spinning First was released, and, and I have to believe you've been to the URSA conventions, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm talking, I'm going back like 15 years, Ursa, somewhere like that, 15, almost 20 years, maybe longer ago. Uh, well, yeah, it was like uh, early 90s. But um, when they first released the spinning program, and Johnny would, would demonstrate how to, to carry his education through this bike, and it caught fire. I mean, it was on fire. And then all of a sudden, you know how it works, everybody else is going to spin it off. So Reebok came out with something and, you know, uh, Greg LeMond came out with something. Uh, within the very next show, there was six or seven different bikes out there. And they'd put somebody really pretty or somebody really, you know, the, the professional cyclist, put them on the bike and just kind of ride the bike in front of people. But what they, what they were missing was the programming. They didn't understand that he was delivering a program that was simple to understand and digest but was very, very, very functional. And through that created worldwide certifications where his product went global. I mean, he went like, seemed like almost overnight it went global, not because of the bike, but because of the program. So someone's saying that they're gonna grab their broomstick or grab you know, PVC pipe or something to kind of mimic what you're doing, they're not seeing it. They're not, they're not actually seeing what's actually going on here. And so I think the, the meat and potatoes that are, are being delivered in your product, in my opinion, is how robust the programming is relative to the tool. So you, you figured out how to take that stick, design a stick, first of all, I think, that would provide uh, something very unique in its structure that, that a stick or a PVC pipe is just not going to deliver. Can't do it. I mean, like you suggested, you, you know, here's your stick, show me. It doesn't work. And, I, and I, by the way, I happened to listen to that, that episode you did with Shante. She's, uh, I'd like to call her a friend. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, she's awesome. 
Yeah, she's amazing. And so the uh, the thing that you had said that was interesting for me to hear is that this stick will endure what uh, eight hundred foot uh, four no, we, pounds of force. Well, we got about six hundred psi. So is that what it is? Yeah, when you're using it properly, uh, the stick by no means would you have to worry about it breaking. Uh, only with the irresponsible use would it would it break. So I mean, if you're standing on it, creating a to- ton of torque and flex, then of course, uh, user beware. But uh, and we know we're selling to the to the consumer world besides the coaches also. So when people go through our education, we stress the safety protocols. And by all means, I to the coaches, I say, look, I hold you guys to a high standard. Why? Because you're taking the education. You know better. Ignorance is not an excuse. Uh, so, uh, cause injuries don't care about your lack of n- lack of knowledge or your ignorance. They just happen. So if somebody off buys the product and then depend, decides to use it in a way that we don't condone, well then that's, an, you know, that's user error, but, uh, the sticks are very safe. You can hang on them. Uh, that's why we do all the brachiation on them. Uh, the intention as far as the flex of the stick is the result of the movement itself. It's never the intent to see how far you can flex the stick. So when we're going into a lateral line stretch, we're making sure that we push the hip out to the side first to get a passive range stretch. Then we push the stick in the opposite direction to complete and get activation through that and then bring in range tension and you'll feel a massive difference between those two. So, um, and that's what we teach. It's, it's, uh, it's understanding specific parts, uh, for shoulder dislocates, for example. Uh, we always teach if you're going after the lats and the scaps, then make sure that they are engaged through the movement. Can you keep the ribs connected and down? Are you losing contact? Are they flaring? Are your rib? are your shoulders moving down to your low back? We see thousands of people every day doing dislocates whose shoulders they think are in their lumbar spine, you know? (laughs) And I always tell people, I go, look, if I point to your lumbar spine and you tell me that's where your scaps are located, then you and I are going back to anatomy class, (laughs) you know? And, and so we see it all the time. We get tagged, you know, people now have this, they tag us stick mobility and we'll watch and I'll watch the video and I'll be like, Oh my God. I'll be like, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. You know, um, it is what it is, right? So, I mean, so we see that, but we can only do so much. Well, now we're talking about the education. Can you just kind of give us uh, how to, where to, what it takes, and how the program is offered and, and, and so on and so forth, what the cost is for the sticks, where they can find it? Because I know people right now are like probably chafing to figure out how they can be involved in it and, and uh, what it looks like for real. Uh, so we offer a two day level one certification. Uh, it's six ninety nine uh, for the course. It's full two days. Um, we are NASM uh, approved and also through NCEP, which is the National College of Exercise Professionals, uh, which is run by Mike Demora, who's just a, one of our mentors. And uh, you get a three stick bundle with the certification. So we do, I I know we're one of the only certifications out there that actually includes the product in the education. Uh, It's never made sense for me to me to teach you how to use a tool and then not give it to you. So 
Uh, we need the sticks in your hands for the education, but we also want the sticks in your hands so that when you get to work the next day, you're excited. You're ready to use them. You There's three or four main big things that you've really liked out of the course, and you're going to start implementing them right away with yourself and with your clients. So you can go to stickmobility.com and register there. We have right now, I believe, about 20 dates across the U.S. for 2019, and we'll be adding some more. Uh, our headquarters, our headquarter facility is in San Jose, California. So if you're ever in the area, uh, you're more than welcome to reach out and uh, get a hold of me and swing on by if I'm in town. Um, and then also stickmobility.com is where we sell all the products. So you can uh, shop online and we have uh, the runner run injury free program definitely listed on there. And also we have a uh, golf program that we also released also. All right, so we talked a while back, and I mentioned to you that I have this clinic we're doing here, Southern California, January 11th through the, and you told me that there is a chance you're going to be coming down this way around then. What are the odds of me getting you to show up and do a little demo? January 11th to the 13th. So the best uh, day would be like the Saturday, which would be the 12th. Uh, you know what? I am in New York City that weekend. Damn it. And, uh, I apologize. That's all right. uh, let me look at the kit. Yeah, that is New York City. That is our very first certification of the new year. Huh. All right. So, well, I'm going to be in New I, Jersey in uh, March 29, 30. Uh, what's, what's your schedule look like? What, what's your East Coast look like? Okay, let me get my... Uh, sheets up here so i can take a look at our dates i just love to get you in front of some of these people because i know once they actually get a chance to experience it the conversation on social media is going to go nuts yeah uh so you said in march i'm going to uh end of march i think it's the 29th 30 31st i'm going to be uh, i look like my schedule is clear for right now for that weekend well i don't want you to have to come all the way out there for that i mean I just thought if you're in the area uh no i uh i won't be in the area maybe june um, maybe june here we're doing another clinic here uh middle of june I'll, I'll give you the dates later but one one way or the other i'd love to get you or one of your people to attend one of the clinics i do so that we can introduce this i mean this is a very powerful component of what i'm doing already and, and I, I can't teach it i'm not certified i don't know it well enough to i mean i can look at it and understand it but I am by no means the spokes model that is necessary to carry this off. <laughs> uh, I think I, I can tell you right now, I think we can commit to Jim. All right. So uh, the, I would let people know that for that uh, workshop in June, uh, we will be there. I'll send you dates and um, we'll try to schedule a time for you. You know, we'll block out some time that's dedicated to, to you doing your thing. And I think that's going to get a lot of people excited. They're going to want to. They're going to want to get into it. So one more time, stickmobility.com, right? Yes, stickmobility.com, and then on Instagram, it's just stickmobility. Uh, we do have some other stickmobilities because we do have distributors uh, worldwide, uh, so they have separate uh, Instagram accounts, uh, but also on Facebook, we're at stick you know, stickmobility on Facebook, and uh, you can follow us on our social media. 
And by all means, uh, feel free to, my email is dennis at sticknobility.com, D-E-N-N-I-S. Feel free to shoot me a message if you have any questions that I can address for you. Very cool. Look, Dennis, thanks so much for you uh, spending some time with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you involved one way or the other. Thank you, Richard. I look forward to being involved. So thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So listen, have a safe and prosperous new year. And, you know, whatever you do, don't don't have anything to drink that would be aged, you know, 20 years or more. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I actually have a nice uh, Morangi uh, signet waiting in the closet. For Look, me at for Christmas. Look at Look that. Look at that. Look at that. Huh? That's that very nice. Well, you too. Merry Christmas and happy new year to yourself and all your listeners out there. So thank, thank you. Man. you. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.